0: That's why the Keelan thing's weird, because Keelan was with them at Bama and came here. <laughs> they still forget about him somehow, but regardless. Longhorn Nation, we're
1: back. Welcome back to another episode of Fire the Cannon. I'm Rocky. I'm Megan, and we are Fire the Cannon. So, y'all, I am so friggin' excited today. We have got an incredible guest. You know him as Fanatic Perspective. We know him as Steven. You know him for his in-depth analysis of Texas football. And man, he brings the heat with NFL. We've got him on here. So everybody, please get excited get hyped up. It's our boy Steven from Fanatic Perspective. Hey, man, how you doing? Welcome. I'm doing
0: well. (laughs) Hey, guys. The intro. Hey, guys. Steven here, Fanatic Perspective. Megan, Rocky, thank you guys for having me on. Can't wait.
1: Thank you. We're super excited. Super excited. So, all right, y'all, I think we need to sit down, have a little bit of group therapy. Before we jump into that though, we do have to give a shout out to the 1012 Network. We are part of the 1012 Network of podcasts. We love having on. We just brought on a new Baylor just in time for, for a couple of weeks. 1012 Network just brought on a new Baylor podcast. So we'll be getting into that next week. But yeah, y'all, can can we sit down for some therapy for a hot minute?
2: Yeah, but first, before we get talking football stuff, let's take a minute to do a little real world, send out some love. So we've had some members of our Longhorn family uh, we lost this week. Everyone knows and loves Longhorn Frenzy on Twitter. He's, you know, he spends his time giving us the dirt and funny scoops about what's happening on the message boards. But really, he's a wonderful man who just lost his loving wife of many years. So we want to send love to his family. And also, we want to send love to Deontay and Armonty Foreman who lost their father in a trucking accident this week in Oklahoma, Derek Foreman, a lot of Longhorns know the family well, and, you know, just sending love and support to them.
0: Exactly. Our deepest condolences and thoughts and prayers with, with all the families, um, you know, that, that it, it hurt, it hurt to hear that news. So all the positive vibes and, and prayers of healing and thoughts of healing everybody's way.
2: Thank you. That, I'm sure they, they appreciate it. I hope they get the messages get to them. All right, let's get to our <laughs> collective
1: <laughs> deep breath Sigh.
2: Yeah. All right. We let's got call, some shit to work out. Y'all. Before we jump into the Texas stuff, Stephen, I know some, most people know who you are. They follow you. They they watch you, your shows. The, tell the two people who don't know who you are, what you do, where to find you, and how did you get into this passion project of Fanatic Perspective?
0: Absolutely. So I am on YouTube, Fanatic Perspective, and, you know, we have a wonderful community in the YouTube sphere. And hopefully, you know, we'll be able to continue to grow our, our network on all social media. So you can find me on Twitter, Fanatic Perspective, Instagram, Facebook, the whole bit. Uh, real quick story it was Water Cooler Talk at Work. My buddy, Tran, who, who often co-hosts with me and uh, is, my, is my ride or die partner at, at Texas Games, we, we were working in just water cooler talk, Texas football, and people said, you guys should record yourselves. So that's the, the genesis of fanatic perspective. And so uh, we've just been able to grow our platform from there and, and be very engaged with fans, even at the games and events and, you know, just carry our perspective over to, to YouTube.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic, man. One of the things I always love about you is you keep it real man, you, you always give the honest perspective, you let people know you, you yes, we all love Texas, we all love Longhorn football. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you bring it with the numbers and and the passion. and I think that's something that really reflects well. Um, you know people see that and and hear it and you're always, Look, you might have feelings about the, the game. You might have feelings about the outcome, but you're always level with what you bring and your perspective. So I think it's a great take. And listen, y'all, if you're not following Fanatic Perspective, you need to. He brings it on Twitter. He, he does awesome on YouTube. So please follow him, check him out. He, he's fantastic.
2: Well, he has over 10,000 followers now, blown up. So they're <laughs> following him.
1: <laughs> oh, you fancy. You fancy.
0: Hey, I'm thank fine. you. Hey, long ordination. And
2: it's current content. And you're on right. top of it. But be- Before, during, and after games, you have content. And <laughs> it's a lot of commitment. And you give a lot to the people who are also fanatics like yourself. So I think that's, you know, good job. Good job. Your, your hard work is paying off.
0: Thank you. And I can't wait to chop it up with two other fanatics here, because like you guys say, we have some group therapy to take care <laughs> yeah. of right
1: now. We need All to work right, out. All right. In. So, so, so on that note, let's talk about it. So initial reaction, this is, you know, the second week that we have lost to a team from Oklahoma and that hurts my soul to say it. Um, you know, I'll be the first to say, I, I thought Texas wasn't going to come in and have a chip on their shoulder and run away with this game and, very clearly that was not the case. So I know you did a post-game report, which thank you for that. I know that it's hard to work through. What are your reactions following another second-half fade from Texas? Where is the program right now? What are you feeling about it?
0: So right after the game, my I, I, I had an opportunity to at least, driving back from DKR, when I was able to get in front of the camera and the mic, listen to Steve Sarkeesian and the immediate post-game reaction. And I appreciate Sark because he often finds the words of honesty that a lot of coaches in college football really do lack. And I thought he was transparent in saying, without even being asked or or triggered by the media, of the mental challenges this team is facing and, quite frankly, needs to learn how to overcome. So that was exactly where my head was at because I – being at the game and, and seeing different, you know, and understanding football and whatnot, I honestly, guys, didn't see anything that there were gotchas all over the field that Oklahoma State was doing. Credit to the, credit to the guys that won, right? They're, they're 6-0 and for a reason. Mike Gundy understood how to play within the confines of this team, all of those things. Credit to them. But Oklahoma State was very limited as well, especially on the offensive side of the football. And I've said this repeatedly on my channel for, for the last few weeks. This, this football team, in terms of Texas, when do we start to get out of our own way? When do we start to, 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 to figure out that, hey, we've just got to finish this football game. We're, we're prepared. We have energy. We had energy in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Did we not come out there and take the football and go out and score on the first play of the game? We were aggressive. We were ready to jump OU. We were ready to jump Oklahoma State. We did the same thing this week. We're taking the football. We're going to go score, right? And there's something that happens. And I think this is Jeff Howe today mentioned about something being you know systemic issues within the program over the past few years. And I, I believe that's the case. And so I think this is a very talented group that is more than capable of at least being what they're they're four and three right now you can make the argument they should be six and one but they have they they have a a issue that they have to figure out over the next you know heading into baylor before halloween essentially so i i I that's i'm still in the same place where i have more questions than answers I know that's probably not the best answer for a podcast, but I feel like that's the reality.
1: No. And I, I, I feel you, man. Like I look, let me put a positive spin on it. I'll I'll give my positivity before I give a little bit of frustration, the upside of this and and what we've seen over the past few games to me, and, and maybe I'm blowing sunshine up my own, butt, but to me, the issues that Texas has had has not been that they've, they haven't had the talent. It hasn't been that the ability wasn't there. It's been that exactly like you said, they're just getting in their own way. And, and for me, the positive spin I'll put on that is that's fixable, that's coachable. And I, I do agree. I think this team has been in a headspace where for a long time, you know, Quan said this at the beginning of the season and we started to see some changes, but anytime this team was faced with adversity they kind of stumbled and they let that get in their heads, right? And it became a mental issue more than a talent issue or a scheme issue. These guys just kind of got in their own heads and and let that affect them. And the small things turned into big things down the road. And I think we've, we've really been bitten by that bug, especially these past two games, is small mental errors are snowballing into catastrophic outcomes of these games. Right. But again, and, and I will say this with look, the people that are calling for the coaches heads and everybody is mad at PK, I, that that ain't it. The, to me, that ain't it. I still have a ton of faith in, in this coaching staff. And we've got to remember, we're seven games into their coaching tenure period with Texas. Right. So it's going to take a little bit for this staff to come in, establish that culture, change the mindset get these kids out of this uh, you know allowing small things to turn into big things And, and I think we're seeing that I think we're seeing responses I think we're seeing you know after the games the guys aren't wallowing too much they're moving on they're not getting too high they're not getting too low so to me that's a shift that's that's a good thing right now I think it's going to take us a few more games to get through our feelings and for them to get their collective shit together. And I will say, I don't think the bye week could have come at a better time. We need this week to reset, figure it out, and, and find out where our heads are at.
2: Like you were saying, you know, people are calling for the coaching staff, PK. I mean, if you look at this game in particular, the Oklahoma State game, defense came out, forced a punt, held them to a field goal, Punt, punt, interception. What more can you ask of a defense at this point? It's seventeen to three when Jameson gets that interception, and then where it turned and it literally turned. You could feel not that it, not that they couldn't overcome, but it just didn't feel like they will probably overcome that pick six. That pick six just felt like, and it was early. It went. It was the difference between. Texas is about to be up 24 to three and it within minutes it was 17 13 with the you know that they took it back with the pick six Texas responds with negative seven yards in the next drive and then the half is over you know Oklahoma State sneaks in that field goal but it just felt like that pick six once we once we were only up by four at the halftime like oh well, you know how our second halves go. We're all gas, all gas. Then we're all breaks, all breaks. And like you said, what, where is, we're trusting the coaching staff to get more than just the, the numbers and the, and the lines and, and the plays, but find out what happens when this switch goes from all gas to all breaks. And that's another thing. Like I tweeted this, let's, let's pause saying we're all gas, no breaks, because we ain't. We might be, we could be next week we have not been. And I was always kind of wary about that all gas, no breaks thing. And, you know, we talked about this last season before, like, Oh, I don't know if I like that. I don't know. Now I just hate it. And, (laughs) and I want us to earn that shit.
0: It sounds cool when you're putting 70 on people's heads, that's when it's truly all gas, no breaks. But to your point, it's, it's when you have these stalls and you have these, these moments like that, it, it stinks, but Rocky, we're in too deep now. We got merch to sell. <laughs> we got so much merch. We got mugs. We got and
1: hats. And, uh, Look, yeah. I bought the Yeti, so it's official. Fuck it. We're running with it, damn it. Oh, we're, we're <laughs>
2: rolling with it. Whether or not it's like it's, and I hate to say this, we're back. To me, all gas, no brakes is starting to feel like we're back. And it's, I see other people's other fan bases, Twitter jokes where if you, if you put that on yourself, we're all gas, no breaks. And then you're getting outscored in every second half of this, just other than tech, you know, like, Oh my goodness. Are you all gas, no breaks?
0: You know, to your point, I want to, I want to, you know, while we're just talking about just the, the, those key moments in the game, I'm so happy you brought up the fact that they got points the drive after the pick six where we had negative seven yards, right? Because that's some, that's mentality. Those little things right there. Yeah. You still go into halftime with a 17-13 lead, but momentum and sports psychology that is so freaking real in, in the spirit of competition. We can all feel it in the stadium. Did you feel like we were leading? Did any of you feel like we were leading when it's we went so into halftime?
1: No, it was sad. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And and I will say I feel like that has been a almost tangible thing as much as a feeling can be right. It happened with Oklahoma. We talked about it on the, the podcast last week. We came out for the OU game in the Cotton Bowl out of that tunnel, hyped the fuck up. I haven't felt that kind of electricity from a team in a long, long time. And we came out hyped up and and we ran up the score and we were ready. This team was excited. And something happened at halftime. And when the team came out at halftime in the Cotton Bowl, it was flat and you could feel it. And, and I feel like that was the same kind of mentality that happened at home, which is, again, the first time we've seen that at home, which is concerning, right? But it, it was... There just was that that je ne sais quoi, that freaking excitement, that hype, kind of just got sucked out. You know, the wind. The, the, it's like they got the wind knocked out of them, and it wasn't there. Even with the score, the hype wasn't there. I mean, hell, and and it affects the fans too. Listen to the crowd. I I, I tweeted this out at the game. Dkr wasn't intimidating at all. And look, as much as I hate to bring up the Aggies. You watch that game at Alabama. They were coming off a loss. They had students waiting three, four days for tickets. Kyle Field was hype, man. It it was it, it, even over. The, you could hear how insanely loud and intimidating that place was. DKR wasn't like that. DKR hasn't been like that since LSU in 2019. In my opinion, we have our moments, but consistently. And and yeah, the fans are always going to feed off the team. And, and it's kind of a, a cycle, self-perpetuating cycle, right? But I, I felt it on a on a deeper level at DKR this past weekend than we have in Wiley. It was just, it was flat and it was quiet. And that's a problem. That's something the team needs to address as far as mentality and being there.
0: Do you guys think that some of that responsibility in, in terms of the juice? Because to your point, the players were amped up. I've never seen. So when they came out of the Cotton Bowl, because I, I I had the pleasure of attending that game before a few years ago, and I don't remember them like running over to the, to our side of the field and they're they're doing this. And everybody Hunter. is just everybody's yep. screaming and yelling like their their side. Our sideline was going nuts yep. before we even ran out for the coin toss. Yep. And, you know, I, I thought that was wonderful. I'm like, wow, I've never seen a Texas team juice like this. And one of the things I, I have as a challenge to our players is. Who's going to step up to be that spark on all these great teams. You always find a guy may not always be the best player either. doesn't always have to be. I'm not saying it needs to be B. John Robinson or, or anybody like that. I'm saying there has to be somebody who's like who comes in there and and just like, yo, we ain't, we ain't going down today. We ain't going down today. We're getting charged up the irrational confidence guys, right? The people <laughs> that just get in there and it's like, This guy thinks he's the best player of the Big 12 for some reason in transfer of energy, fake it till you make it, whatever you need, because I saw it in the Cotton Bowl and I saw it on sideline again. When doubt gets truly gets introduced on our sideline, whether it's the pick six, whether it's the missed tackles, whether it's even when Demo goes down, whatever, whatever, whatever negative thing occurs, everyone's just down. And, and yeah, we have guys that come out. We have individual people that come out and still execute. Sure. But collectively as a unit, we look nothing like the group that comes out there and Xavier Worthy's running 80 yards and B. John Robinson's all over the place. So we've got to, the players got to figure out internally and maybe they got to have a players only meeting. And I know that's always a red flag in sports,
2: Ooh. but
0: it's always a red flag. But at some point, Like Steve Sarkeesian, and a lot of people, some people took what he said the wrong way when he said this, but I I agree with him when he said we would run outside zone, for example, with Bijan. In the first half, we're blocking it up. Second half, we're calling the same play for the same front. He was like, Oklahoma State, it's not like, you know, Jim Knowles and, and Mike Gundy shifted or adjusted anything, but we fumble a snap or we miss a block. But we're seeing the same front. At what point is that, hey, we've got to lock in right now, third quarter, fourth quarter. This is when we get better. This is when we rise. This is when we really, really have to have all gas, no brakes. So, so I would like to see the players take some accountability for their energy level and not just try to channel that from the coaches. Energize yourselves.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And and look, again, I think that'll come as part of that culture change. You got to learn to to hate losing more than you love winning. Right. And I've seen glimpses of that, but we're not quite there yet. And, you know, and I'm going to bring up a name and people are going to have some feelings about this one way or the other. You either love him or you hate him. Brecken Hager was that guy for us for a long time. Great point. You know, he would come in. He'd come in and forget what his play was like. He was the hype man, right? He'd come in. He's the guy you want DJing right before you, he's, you want to warm up the crowd and get there. Cause he was just crazy with everything and you know, the hair and all of it. He, he embraced that role. And I think that's where Brecken had a really, I, I think he had an impact on the team and granted it wasn't our best team. It wasn't the most talented teams that we've had out there, but I, he got people hyped up. And, and I agree with you, Steve, man. I I don't think we have seen a player or players consistently fill that that role. And, and, and again, I, I'm going to go back to the positivity. I don't feel like there is a fundamental problem with this Texas football team. I, we've got the talent, we've got the coaches, we've got, we're, we're, we're just right there on turning that corner. It's all about mentality. And, it is incredible what I mean, Rocky, you playing rugby, you know, you get that one person to hype in and get you hyped up and you get somebody that lights that fire on that sideline. And holy shit, that changes the momentum of the game. And and I agree. We just we have not seen that this year. And, and I'm curious who is going to step up and play that role, take that role and take ownership of that.
2: Do you think, Stephen, that it should be Casey's job to <coughs> hype up the offense more?
0: I think one of the reasons why he was inserted is we've all said he brought a certain juice Mm -hmm. and there's a certain level of confidence. He's a very outspoken young man. He has a lot. he, He has some of those similarities that we saw with Sam Ellinger at times. And I think he's starting to experience what Sam Ellinger experienced when he took over in terms of when you start to get beat up. And you start to you start to press a little bit because he is trying to pick up the team. And maybe you do things that are outside of your skill set or outside of your wheelhouse. And now because after he threw that pick six, for example, like we just look at the psychology of Casey Thompson. He was very reluctant. And on top of that, you know, there's we don't know what his injury situation is either. And so I think it's difficult because when you look at the the Colt McCoys and the the, the elite side of. Texas football and obviously Vince Young and them as they were quarterbacks who just said, F it, we're doing it. We're doing, you know, we'll do it live. Right. I don't care. Like get out of my way. We're doing this. And we need that from, from the quarterback position, but I also think you can get that from different parts of your team, even on defense. You know, we've had dudes on in the past that could really get get us channel to say, you know what, I'm getting the football back. I know we're going to talk about, you know, NFL a little bit later, but you look at the play like Trayvon Diggs made against the Patriots, you know, where he's a marked man the, the whole week. I'm sure all week they're like, we ain't throwing the ball at number seven. And he just went and made a play. I was like, screw it. I'll do it myself. That was amazing. We have, we had to channel some of that. And it's, and, and it could be done at college at the college football level. These guys are, these guys are, we they're more talented than we give them credit for. And I agree, Megan, the coaches, I'm seeing improvements, by the way. Like, it's not all bad. We started the season, we couldn't hit a deep ball to save our lives. Two weeks in a row, we've been hitting some deep balls. We're starting to see them improve. We're starting to see them block a little bit better. The pass blocking, yeah, it's still a work in progress, but it wasn't a disaster like we've seen in the past. We're starting to see some more people get rotated in on defense. They gave up the defense. I I, I agree with the Pete Kwiatkowski criticism, where it's a little too much because – You're talking about what they gave up 32 points total, but seven of that was on the was on the offense. So talking about they played 82 snaps, only gave up 25 points. If you really had told me that coming into the game and up until the pick six, like Rocky said, they had only given up three points. That's that's fine.
1: Yeah. And look, amazing. (laughs) I've got it. So Texas statistically has been all over the board. It's one of those things when you talk about, especially over these past couple of games, you talk about the statistics and you just showed me these numbers. If you would have told me at Oklahoma, Texas scored 48 points and still didn't win the game, I would have been like, bullshit, right? Our offense stepped up, we scored. And there were a a host of other factors playing into that. Then you look at this game, Texas can only score 24, but our defense, again, if you take that away and you tell me our defense only gave up, 25 points, I would have been like, Texas wins that easily. Right. I just, it has been this crazy. These numbers just don't line up. Now you put any of these stats together on opposite ends in any other game and Texas is rolling. There's steam rolling, man. So I agree. And and that's where again, I'm going to try to focus on the good. I think that's where the positive is. We have the pieces to make a really good freaking football team. It's just been this mental block of putting it all together at the same time, that's been the right. struggle for Texas.
2: Right. We've had games where even the games where offense defense and special teams were all rolling, it was only for two and a half or three quarters. Or we've had games with the offense on fire and then the defense struggling. And you know back and forth. but like you said, we we've got to have sixty minutes of all three teams, and the great teams do that. And I feel like we have the staff, that can do that, and it won't be year one. I mean, I keep readjusting my <laughs> predictions for the season, and you know we'll talk about it next week. But watch that Baylor game with hands over your eyes and get a stiff drink because now, I, as much shit as I've been getting ba- giving Baylor lately, they shouldn't be ranked. Hell yeah! Now that I've watched them more, they should be ranked, and Texas should be using this bye week wisely. All right, Stephen. So tell us. You know, there's right now there's this faux controversy, the QB controversy. Where do you stand on, so today Sark said in the press conference, you know, Casey's earned the right to get some time to develop and be coached, you know, with the challenges he's facing. We know he has that thumb issue. Where do you feel on, like, the people who say, well, Hudson Carr didn't get time to work out of the challenges after Arkansas? Some people are criticizing that. Um, We've seen Casey ball. Uh, where, do you, where do you stand on who should be QB1?
0: I think as long as Casey Thompson is healthy, and and I think between him and Sark, they know how what his health status is. He should remain the starting quarterback. Like you said, against Oklahoma, we were there in the Cotton Bowl, and we saw what he had to navigate through, and he put on one of the best performances I've seen from a Texas quarterback. Mm-hmm. He has had some struggles, yes, TCU. He had some struggles. He won a gritty game this past game. Yeah. He had some struggles. He also was, you know, getting hit late. Uh, We had some issues there as well, but he's, he's earned the right to at least, you know, go on the road again and and see if we can figure some things out against Baylor. And, and, and especially through a bye week where we have some, have a little bit more time to really, really figure out, you know, other adjustments and, and, and things that need to be made. Um, to help the quarterback out as well. Right. And, and so, you know, Casey Thompson brings some, he does bring that juice. He does bring that running element that, that Hudson card I know has, but was reluctant to do so I'll say. Uh, And, and, you know, just for the sake of the consistency with the football team at this point, those kids identify with Casey as their, as their quarterback right now. So you have to factor that in as well. Who does the team respond to? They still do respond to Casey Thompson. I'm not just going to use up until that point with the pick six. Did anybody have a problem with how Casey Thompson was playing?
1: No, exactly. Exactly. That, that, that is the the perfect thing to say. And look, you know, we come in and we've had some people say, Oh, well, why are you giving Casey a second chance when Hudson didn't get one after being pulled from Arkansas? To me, that's an easy, easy answer. It's experience number one. And, the issues that Casey has shown when there have been issues with the offense, I'm not going to put all or even most of them on Casey. When your receivers are dropping balls, when your your coverage and your protection is breaking down, you know, those errors aren't on Casey. Now I will say TCU, he didn't have a great game, but again, a lot of those, when you hit your receivers in the hands mm. and they drop the ball, that ain't on the quarterback. When a weird play happens and a a catch gets bobbled up and picked, that's not on the quarterback. So I'm not going to put that kind of stuff on Casey. And I think people, if you go back and watch the film, a lot of the quote unquote problems that Casey has been having isn't directly on Casey, in my opinion. Now, I do think the Oklahoma State game was his roughest game that he has had. No question. But again, Stephen, to your point, We've got the bye week And when we saw a rough game, even the things that weren't on Casey, we saw a rough game at TCU. Casey responded by bringing all his receivers in and working with them all week. And holy shit, the response and the difference between the TCU game and the Oklahoma game, that, it was a massive difference. you know. And I am confident that giving Casey two weeks, like you said, this team sees Casey as their leader. So you give him two weeks to get in his guys ears and get in their butts and say, let's work on this. I have no doubt that there is going to be a massive difference with this team working together for two weeks to correct the things that Casey sees on film and work with his guys one-on-one to make it better. I have no, no question in my mind.
0: I want to add one more point to that because I totally agree with, in terms of the kids needing more work, this cannot be understated. Jordan Whittington is missed and Jordan Whittington had a very real connection with Casey Thompson. You saw it on the field and and he was missed even in the end of the uh, Oklahoma game, in in, in my opinion, because he's the he's been the safety blanket all season long on third down. And you saw, like you said, the drop passes and, and or guys just not getting some of the separation needed or being able to make a contested catch when the ball is it perfect? You hear the term all the time. Help your quarterback out. So I'd like to see them figure out because I do think they have some options, and that's where I will be a little bit more critical with 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 Sark. Because when you have a guy like a Keelan Robinson who just is so explosive every time you see him on the football field, but then you know we're asking everybody's on Twitter, everybody's on social media. Where's Keelan? Where's Keelan? Where's Keelan? And some of these other young players who, you know, maybe you could try to see if they could fulfill that opportunity. So I'd like to see them explore that, have a little bit more. They shuffled the offensive line after Oklahoma as well, right? You know, my, 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 my boy Tope got in there at right guard. Hayden Connor was getting some snaps. They mixed in Andre Carrick with Christian Jones at left tackle. So all of those things, I'd like to see them, you know, merge people together a little bit more. And if there's if Casey Thompson comes out and he's still you know underperforming at a severe level and, and you feel as though we're all feel as though he's holding the team back, absolutely go to Hudson Car. But let's see let's see some of those adjustments first. Starting with Keelan Robinson, he's got to get in the mix.
1: Yeah, look, man, I have been. Thank you, thank you. I just want to say thank you fourteen thousand more times because I have been screaming for sweet God since you know the the TCU game. Prior to that, even. Texas has a three-headed monster in their running backs. There's no question. Look, Bijan had, by all accounts, a pedestrian day, and he still had 135 yards, right? When, and, and we talked to Babers about this, and, and the numbers are there. When, and, and Babers shared this with us. When Texas runs a two or more back set, they are averaging nine yards per carry, That is insane to me. We've we've been screaming about this for a long time. When you've got the the football acumen of Rojo back there, right? You've got the the options that he gives you as a former quarterback, as a smart football player, and as a talented running back. You've got a Heisman potential running back in Bijan, and you've got a freaking speedster with explosive abilities in, in Keelan. Why the shit are you not running more than one running back? to me that limits texas so so much everybody knows to key in on Bijan. they know look if he's the one in the back field he's getting the rock no question so that gives their defense the opportunity to cue in on robinson they know there's no other option in the backfield and that puts the pressure on our wide receivers which without jay witt have not been super strong look worthy has had an incredible game. He, you know, he stepped up after TCU, had an incredible game, but he's a freshman. He's a young kid, still figuring it out. We've got Marcus Washington, who I have no doubts in his abilities. His strength has been in blocking. He hasn't had enough starts to really find his groove yet. Again, to me, you take the pressure off of these young players with not a lot of starts when you put those two running backs in and you make the defense either figure it out or pay for it. If they key in on Bijan, then you cut them up with Keelan. If they key in on two running backs, well, now all of a sudden your wide receivers have so many more options. Hell, throw it to the tight fucking end. Why aren't we using our big guys like that? I, I just it it blows my mind with a running back stable like Texas has. And hell, I'll even bring in Brooks on that. We we have four guys that are able to make plays anytime they touch the ball. Why are we? show like we're 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 announcing what we're doing by just running one running back. I don't understand that play calling. I just don't. I think the
2: so much criticism went last year to Herman for not using Bijan enough. And now there's all with the production has the numbers are there. And if now we're at that 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 we're at this pendulum of not that not that Bijan is being played too much. I'm not saying that but it, it needs there's going to be a, needs to be more balance so that his when he is out there, it's the most productive. Like you're saying, it's it's pretty obvious what's happening when he's out there now. And it's it's OK to have some or let him be the decoy, let him be out there doing other things. So when he does get the ball, it's not nine guys on the line at him.
0: Rocky, you hit it on the head. The, the touches that Bijan has right now, it's, it's a perfect number. It's perfect. Because you don't want kids coming to Texas to get to run into the ground. And then they're breaking down it's the moment they get to the NFL, like, you know, recipe Cedric Benson. He had 400 carries every year he was here. And Foreman, who we mentioned earlier, and all these other kids that come here. So I, I've always been, you know, really, really, especially now that we understand more and more about, the hits that these running backs in particular take. So Texas is being very, very smart about how they use him. I had a lot of people jumping in my my stream after the game talking about this should have been another 35 carry Bijan game. No, it was fine. The issue is not that. Like you guys exactly said, they're targeting Bijan Robinson. And to the point about Xavier Worthy, when you make the noise that you make, brother, you're going to get bracket coverage. You're not getting the coverage you saw at the beginning of the season anymore. Jim Knowles, Mike Gundy, all of them are like, bro, you're no. And they're, because they can't, they can't allow another 261 yard game. So that's where, and I was happy to see Marcus Washington catch a deep ball. Uh, that was encouraging to see, but here's my, my frustration is this. People asking me is Keelan Robinson in the doghouse? How can he be in the doghouse? He was a captain. I'll say it again. He was a captain for the LU game. And then he doesn't get a touch and you're using him as a gunner on punt team. And I think, and then, and then, and then they realize, I feel like they kind of realized that because if you notice the very first series of the game, he's get he's in the game. They're running personnel with him and Bijan back there. And then he gets one, he gets one touch for 25 yards and we end up scoring and we never see, we never see him again, other than him trying to block punts. So that's where, and I was, Sark said today, for for those who haven't heard the presser yet, we had, the staff and I had a meeting about trying to incorporate Keelan into the offense more. And if I'm in the meeting, the only thing I would add to the staff, because they know way more football than than I do, the only thing I would add is, don't look at Keelan as a running back anymore. You need to look at him as an offensive weapon. Because if you detach yourself from he's a running back, then you can grasp that number five, and number seven can both be on the field at the same time and both be utilized. Because when you have somebody that fast on the field, now that helps not just Bijan with more space, that helps Xavier Worthy too. So that's the only thing I would add. Stop looking at Keelan Robinson like a runner. Look at him as an offensive weapon.
2: As we're talking about Xavier Worthy, one thing happened this weekend. That's
0: what you hearing. That's what you hearing. They finally that's played
2: what you hearing. the song we've been that's screaming for.
0: X give it to ya. Fuck, for you to get it on your own. X deliver to ya.
2: Yes, they did it. They did it. They did it. They finally did it. They played X give it to you. I wish they had had more
1: reasons to play it more, but they did it. They Shout out it. to
0: the PA team. Well done.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I love the point you're making, Steve. I, I love, forget running back. Forget whatever you know, box you want to put Keelan in, He he's is a weapon. He's an mm-hmm. athlete and sure. you hell, throw him out wide, put him in, put him in a position where he's going to catch some balls across the middle. Ain't no linebacker or safety going to touch his speed. There's just, that ain't going to happen. He's, he is, he's got that explosive speed where he turns it on in a second and he gone, right? I want to see more of that. And I think when you stop pigeonholing him into this idea that he's, you know, the second or third string running back, that opens up so much more opportunity for, for those weapons to all be utilized. Look, Jared Wiley, he's a big dude. I, yeah, I mean, he is a freaking beacon out in the middle of the field. He's going to take down some, some uncatchable balls. I use that in air quotes, right? He will be the guy where if you throw it up, he'll bring it in. Brewer is the same way. I, I would like to see Texas. I mean, for God's sake, when is the last time that Texas effectively used our tight ends? It, it has been a while. I'm going to say what? 2008.
0: Michael family.
1: Right. JerMichael, yeah. Maybe I, I, I just, they, but when you put that second running back in, you open up so many opportunities for the rest of the positions on offense to capitalize. There's no question. I, and and I, I agree. If I have to criticize this staff, that that's the biggest critique. Why the shit aren't you using the weapons that you have on offense to create the spaces that you need? Use that power that you've got. Keep them guessing. Make them pay. If they're going to bite and commit on one person, one player, make them pay with the just plethora of opportunity that you have in all of your other talent. There's no Megan,
0: Megan, Rocky. You guys said it as well earlier. In terms of, we're getting to the point. This te- they are still learning. This team, seven games in, and mm-hmm. we get it. This—this this is personnel. Some of these kids they recruited. We understand. That's why the Keelan thing's weird because Keelan was with them at Bama and came here. <laughs> they still forget about him somehow. But regardless, they're learning the, the team, and and they learned. Hey, Bijan Robinson, we need to build the offense around him. They learned that we don't have to wait on Xavier Worthy. He can contribute now. Those are positives. They've developed, they they didn't wait to let the quarterback thing play out. They jumped on it and, and, you know, switched it right away. So those are positives in favor of the staff. I would just encourage them to take a look down Texas memory lane. And we had a player and Ramon Taylor who that staff at that time figured out, he doesn't really have a position. He's just a weapon. Right. And so some weeks, Ramon Taylor would play running back and spell Jamal Charles and spell Selvin young. And some weeks he was lined up in the slot, half the game. It just depended on who we were playing, but he was always going to be out there as a weapon to threaten the defense because he has, Oh my God, speed. And when you have, there's only so many kids that any team has, and you have two of them, you have Worthy and Keelan Robinson that have legit. Oh my God, speed. Just put them on the field and let it make, let it happen. That's all I'm saying.
1: Agreed. And and look, just a quick note, the mullet drives me insane, but credit to Gundy for this late in his career at Oklahoma state, making an adjustment on his coaching based on his personnel. If you would have told me that this Oklahoma state team puts up these paltry, like simple numbers on offense that they've been putting up, I I would have laughed at you a couple of years ago, but he identified that they needed to make a shift And we all talk about these prolific offenses in the off in in the big 12 and how crazy that's been, but there has been a shift lately and Gundy to his credit game plan, Texas, well played on his strengths, which is his defense right now. And has been for the past couple of years. He knows he didn't have the weapons like Chuba Hubbard. He knows he didn't have his quarterback there. So he played and kept this score way lower than I thought it was going to be way lower than I think everyone thought it was going to be. And. In that, relied on his strengths and won the damn game. So credit to Gundy. I hate saying it, but there it is.
2: Right. Spencer Sanders is not some electric gunslinger with wheels. He is an efficient game manager when he needs to be And something like, you know, just like Doug and they light up when they play Texas. Um, he was decisive when he did need to use his feet. All he did was move the chains when it was time. But he struggled at first. But they trusted their game plan that they came in with and didn't abandon their game plan. And Texas st- starts strong. And when other people adjust to Texas, it's, it's I don't I don't know where the adjustments are lacking for Texas, but well, that, I hope they figure it out. I hope they figure it out. So what do you think? Where do you think they need to be spending this bye week? We know that there's some players that need to be healing up. Um, I'll start with you, Megan. What, what are you looking for in, you know, the injury list or what do you, th- where do you think the coaching staff should be focusing this bye week?
1: Yeah. Again, I, I'm going to hammer this point home. I feel number one, that Casey is really going to live in that film like he does. And I think he's going to bring that to his receivers. I think he's going to bring that to his O-line. I think he's going to bring that. to his his running backs, everybody. I think Casey, this is his opportunity to make, this team, his unquestionably like, you know, Steve, you brought it up. We all hate hearing the, the player meetings and and that kind of thing. But in that sense, I don't know that we need the player meetings. I think we just need Casey to grab much like he did after TCU to grab his wide receivers. He needs to grab his offense and say, fuck this. If I have to take all y'all out to dinner, I don't care if it's Chili's at this point, let's have some conversations. Let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. And, and I think Casey's that guy. I really do. I think he'll come in, he'll, he's going to analyze the film just as, as intensely as any of our coaching staff is. And I think Casey's smart enough. He's got that football, you know, IQ to say, all right, here's where we broke down. Here's where we weren't communicating. Now that Jay Witt is out and probably is out for the rest of the season. Who's my next man up? Who am I going to go to? Let's work on that. Let's figure that out. So I think we definitely see Casey step up. Well, this is the opportunity for Casey to truly make this team his. And I think for Texas to be successful, he needs to utilize that opportunity. Now, again, we saw a drop off when Demo, you know, Stephen, you talk about leaders on the team and who's going to get our guys hyped up. We all know that Demo's got that, that attitude. He's got that, that hype, right? Demo got hurt. He's out with a concussion. So again, in, in this sense, this is a great time for Texas to get back, reset, heal a little bit. If D, if we can get Demo back for Baylor, that's a huge win for us on defense. And, and I'm hoping that those those two weeks and getting him some rest, you know, he's one of the ones that I'm not super concerned about as far as knowing the game plan and being ready for a game, even taking a week off to rest. But we got to get his head right and we got to get him to a point where he he can step in the game. So I I think those are keys to it. Casey stepping up, owning the team, Demo getting healthy, and then we roll from there. You said you think this bye week is coming in at the right time? I do. Yeah. Again, we have an opportunity. Now, something that we haven't talked about a whole lot, there's been the whisperings and the rumblings. This happened at OU. We don't know if this affected the Oklahoma State game, Casey got injured. He hurt his hand. He hurt his thumb, his throwing hand, right? I can't say with certainty that that has affected Casey's confidence in his throws. I can't say that that has not had an effect. But right now, right here, when we're coming off of two losses, this team needs an opportunity to heal up and regroup. So, yeah, I, I think this is coming at a good time where we're going into. Baylor, we're going to Waco against a Bears team that has been overlooked, but is playing some really good fucking football right now.
2: Their only loss is also to Oklahoma State, but that was at Oklahoma State. Right, right.
1: right. And it was a close game. It was closer than the Texas game. game. It was closer than the Texas game. So, yeah, I, I think this is an opportunity for us to take a beat, take a deep breath and and find our identity because If I, my biggest criticism of this Texas team right now is we don't know who the fuck we are. Nope. We know that we have the talent, we know that we have the coaching brain power, but we haven't been able to put together a complete game yet. And I'm telling you, when this Texas team can put together a full game, holy shit, we are going to be incredible. It is going to be an unstoppable team. But we don't have that identity yet. So, yeah, I think this is a good time to regroup, take a breath, heal up, and figure out who the fuck we are.
2: Okay. <laughs> Steven, what do you think Texas needs to do for this bye week to make it the most productive?
0: I like to see some of my big boys, especially on the defensive line, start to take ownership. I appreciate the coaching staff making the adjustment to play Alfred Collins more. And I think he's starting to reward them with more production. And, and PK is still, again, still learning the group. Bo Davis saw them. They're still learning the group. But we we have – we had a game against Arkansas where they got, you know, everybody talked about the running rushing yards. We talked about the Oklahoma game and how we finished, and we just didn't have that bite. And, and Kennedy Brooks and all those guys running all over us. So – they to me they adjusted well. That people are still going to look at the rushing yards. Oh, Jalen Warren had 193 yards, but they gave up only like four and a half yards of pop, all things considered. And that's whiffs holding Spencer Sanders to what they held him to. So, you know, they're they're starting, they're rotating more people in. I'm starting to see younger guys in there, like a Byron Murphy. Um, I'd like to see them over the bye week give those guys a little bit more, see what more they can handle, adding in some twists and stunts, um, and just seeing what else. You can get out of them. Even T sweat is playing a little bit more. So they have some opportunities there with some of those big boys to just set just to be intense, but be smart about it. Right. Like, like I appreciate Keandre getting on his horse and running in the quarterback down. We can't have the horse collar penalty. Right. That's, 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 that's a get out of your own way situation. Appreciate the hustle, but <laughs> let's be smart. Right. And, and so across the board, um, you know, even guys like a Ben Davis, I, I see him do something every time he's in the game, but I like to see him get some more opportunities and some more snaps. So I would say not just the players, but also the staff just saying, hey, who else can we try to work in and, and get prepared to, to help us on this back half of the season? Because some of these kids are going to be your core group going into next season. That's just the reality of the situation as well. So that's what I'd like to see worked on over the bye, Rocky.
2: All right, that sounds good. We'll, we'll wrap up um, Texas. It was an emotional couple of weeks losing to both Oklahoma teams. Now we get to sit on that as fans. The players got to sit on that's even tougher. There, they got to sit on it and work, go back to work. One thing we'll be <laughs> doing on the bye week is we do not take a week off from grilling. So we'll talk about this in a minute. But Megan was at our house watching the Cowboys game with us, and what did we do, Megan? We grilled burgers and if you are also grilling and hanging out and tailgating at home or at the or down at the stadiums you need to get with gridironmetal.com gridironmetal.com
1: yeah look they've got chimney smokers they've got grills they've got anything that you can make out of metal that you need for a grill or even for your home office this is insane they make bookends they make card holders it's bananas All licensed by UT. And look, I'm going to hammer this point home. It's all the perfect burnt orange too, y'all. So many people screw up Texas orange and listen, gridiron metal, they get it right. They make, listen, they make your burgers cook to perfection. It spreads that heat beautifully. And you get to do it where you can sear a longhorn on the burger. So look, sign up, check it out. Don't forget to throw in the code. It is Twelve. We will take care of you. That C-A-N-N-O-N-12. You get 15% off and any orders over $100 gets free shipping, y'all. Christmas is less than 10 weeks away. So you've got an opportunity here. <laughs> Throw in that. Listen, I'm forever shopping for Christmas gifts. It's my favorite time of year. Throw in that code, CANON12. They'll get you hooked up and they'll give you the most unique gifts of the season. Show your Texas fandom. Eat well. Tailgate well. Don't F around. Again, gift Well, gift. Well, gridironmetal.com. Don't forget it.
2: All right. So, Megan, I have before we get into the talk about the Cowboys, because I know, Stephen, let's talk Cowboys. Uh, we're going to talk around, around the NFL because so much is happening. But Sunday. So a couple of days ago, I made carne quesada and I do the homemade slow cook stew meat. It's so good. Well, then, you know how it sits in the bowl in the fridge for a couple of days and then you pull it out and it's even better. Well, I, I slow simmered it back on the pot and I put some tater tots in the air fryer and we got crispy fried tater tots and put got naked over the top. Move over chili cheese tots. Gotniki Sada uh, tots were insane. And we listen, put some sharp cheddar on top. Oh, so Rocky
1: good. can end the chili debate of beans or no beans. Fuck oh, chili. No beans. Have have Rocky, no beans. But End that That's debate not really. and have Rocky's carne de gus- carne gasada white girl saying it here over some tater tots and cheese. Holy crap! It was so, it good. <laughs> so good. We did that with our grilled burgers. Stephen, you and the wife are going to have to join us sometime. It's, Please, it's
0: awesome. Yeah, I'm <laughs> inviting myself. You
1: you're invited. You should. I show up to her house all the time just to eat. Like, let's be clear.
2: <laughs> well, the the point of that story was we watched the Cowboys game together. And it was amazing. Let let's talk. Let's talk about. Oh, nice! He's showing us his
1: fancy uh, cowboy Custom pillow. Pillow. I love that Number you four. have the home and away customized jersey pillow with your last name on it, and like so. So, do you? Okay, let me ask you this: Are you superstitious in the sense that, like, when you're watching a home game, you've got the home jersey showing. When you're watching the away game, you got the away jersey showing. Are you that insane about things? Does your wife N- like no? Understand?
0: <laughs> no, I'm not. In, I'm not that insane about it. I do have it here whenever I record any Cowboys content. It has to be in the room. That's probably the only superstition I have. But That's in terms fair. of yeah, in terms of watching the game, I've the Cowboys like the Longhorns have just you know they, they've they've been such an emo, emotional roller coaster for my entire adult life that I, I've tried to I've, I'm out, almost out of the superstition business because it's just a roller coaster. And this game this past weekend was the roller coaster of all roller coasters.
2: We we were loving it. So my dad and all my family massive massive Cowboys fans. I grew up cheering for the Cowboys. My favorite team is everybody knows is the Titans, but and they're playing tonight right on Monday night football. But I cheer hard for the Cowboys and what a game. So Dak isn't Dak is insane coming off that massive injury. He's playing like an MVP candidate. And then you mentioned it before we got on the air. We were talking. Tell us about Diggs man. what are you? What are you seeing? What are you loving about the Cowboys this year? What are you worried about? What are you loving? What are you worried about?
0: So what I love is Diggs and this defense. The the you talk about. We were historically bad defensively last year like it was it even before Dak Prescott suffered the severe ankle injury we were two and three we were allowing you know 4 or 500 yards a game people scoring 40 points it was it was crazy and Diggs is a guy we drafted in the second round and the evolution that he's made i don't know if it's because they allowed brothers to start rocking single digit numbers on defense in the league or what but he's he's rocking 7 now and my friend and I were joking, but he really, you know, a lot of people are saying this. He is like an offensive player on defense, the way he attacks the football and his skills. And I think he's a testament. And any young people out there watching that may be athletes. Nick Saban, when he was at Alabama, asked him to move from offense to defense. And he said he cried and he called his brother and his brother, Stefan Diggs, who's on the Buffalo Bills, and an all-pro receiver himself, told him, suck it up and listen to the coaches. They're telling you that for a reason, they have your best interests at hand and he's blossomed into right now he's running away with defensive player of the year and he has changed our whole defense with how aggressive he's been in conjunction with Dak Prescott coming back. I, I, I used to call Sam Ellinger General Ellinger because they they have those good, strong names and and rain Dakota Prescott, General Prescott, he's been everything in and beyond. For, for us. And that's how you prove MVP value. When we lost Dak last year, we didn't score a touchdown for a month and he's back. And we have the number one offense across the board in the NFL, top five passing offense, top three rushing offense, what he's doing at the line of scrimmage. You can see the cerebral aspect. It's, it's a lot of fun. And yesterday was a lot of fun real quick. What I'm worried about is us getting in our own way. Same thing. We have those mental lapses and we, and now our coach, I actually trust Steve Sarkisian a little bit more than I trust Mike McCarthy when it comes to game management, believe it or not. Cause Mike is terrible with the clock as we saw yesterday.
2: That's <laughs> what I was just going to say. If I had one concern, I think the players are excited, preparing, balling out. My one concern is Mike McCarthy's still your coach and they're winning despite him. And <laughs> And I think that he just, he's just a little too, I don't know. He's a champion coach and experienced NFL, but
1: something about the way he does dumb things. L- look, look I, again, it's no second. I I'm not a Cowboys fan. I grew up a Cowboys fan, not in love with him right now. Jerry Jones, not my favorite human, but, and I get the Mike McCarthy. I get the criticism. It is fair criticism, but when you've, Turned a team around like he has with the Cowboys. They are sitting at five and one, man. They're at the top of their division. Now, look, one could argue it's a terrible goddamn division. You're in with a two and four Washington, two and four Eagles, a one and five Giants. Okay, fine. We can put that argument in, but he's finding ways to get it done. I mean, you're in a, a tough league where kickers have been struggling, right? Right. But the Cowboys are still sitting at five and one. They're they're undefeated at home this year and they're two and one away. I he's doing something right now. Again, NFL versus college coaches play a very different role. It's a management. Great point. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's a management position managing professionals versus coaching up young, soon-to-be for professionals, right? You're it, it's a different kind of role. So Is McCarthy the end all be all? Do I think he deserves all the awards? Maybe not, but look, man, I got to give credit where it's due sitting at five and one at the top of your division after a solid bit of football. I mean, you're more than a third of the way through. You got to recognize he's doing something right. And it, and it isn't just luck of the draw in my opinion.
2: Oh, he's, he's doing something right. I just feel like if there was, if I had to pick one concern of the Cowboys, it would still be him. (laughs)
0: I got to nitpick pick the clock game. I agree, Megan. Yes. He does. He does deserve credit for having the team ready to play. They all six games this year. Cause even the loss they had to Tampa Bay, they were prepared to play Tampa Bay. And that was an amazing football game for the NFL opener. Right. And, and, you know, uh, that, that was more on the field goal kicker having some issues, which he worked through, and we were able oh, to, to bless overcome their that.
2: Line. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Greg the leg, you know? And so, you know, so we were Bobblehead able to get that.
2: <laughs> so, so, like, for example, in Sunday night's game, Jack moves the ball, they still can run the ball, they have two dynamic running backs. And then on fourth and one, he goes with the most inconsistent kicker in the NFL, maybe Zerline, for a 51 yarder on the road outside. Of course, he missed it. And to me, why in the world would you just not go? You don't trust Ezekiel Elliott to get one yard or oh, okay. Dak Prescott to get one yard. You trust the kicker. And that okay. could cost him the game there.
1: But Zeke has dropped off a little bit. Look, all respect to him. He's still an incredible running back, but he's not the Zeke that was four years ago, right? That He's a different player now. And for the 51-yarder, <laughs> I agree. That, that was questionable. I feel like you have enough time in the game. You could have tried to pound it out, and you're still in favorable field position. But when it came down to the 49-yarder, where there was only, what, I think it was two and a half minutes left in the game, something like that, you take the points Rocky and I were arguing about this as the game was on. I was like, she man. was yelling. She was yelling. I don't understand this. He's missed every, he's the worst. And I'm saying, look, at this point, he's a professional and you've got to trust him. You have to have that short memory. You have to look and take the points to put your offense. You you hope that your D shows up and puts your offense in a position to score and, and, and take the lead again. So I, I understand the second field goal call. The one right before that, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, a little question.
2: Well, he little made it when it mattered most, and that's that was that was pretty cool. That was that was. Yep, it.
0: and they got the win.
2: Yeah, they did. And indeed. That's what matters, right? Ugly, however you got to get it, and on the road and that kind of environment, they said no one has ever put up 400 and something yards on Billa Bilice- Billa check. I say Billa Bilice- Bilice- no cheat. Billa check ever. Dak <laughs> just went in there and put up the most yards ever against a Billa Bilice- cheat coach
1: defense. So. And again, as a non-Cowboys fan, I want to be the one to bring this up. How do you not love Dak Prescott? How do you not love his story, his comeback? Look, again, I I don't root for the Cowboys anymore, but watching him get hurt, hurt my soul. that, That was just, you felt that on a deep level. And watching his rehab and his comeback, and holy shit, he is playing excellent football right now. It is really fun to watch him play. And and while I still have fundamental issues with the Cowboys on a management level, man, I as a Texans and Lions, and it's going to hurt me to say this, but I'm kind of starting to root for them again just because of Dak, man, I, yes. I, I like to see that's him ball thing. out. I, and, and, and he's a good dude. He's one of the few that's defied the odds and always shows up and is there and just seems like a stand up kid. When I say kid again, this, this means I'm old when I refer to NFL <laughs> players as kids. Right. But yeah, he, he seems like a stand up human being. And I would and-
0: just, I would just like to say this about me, uh, about Dak, Megan. Dak's one of my favorite professional athletes of my adult lifetime that I've had the pleasure of root for. And when your team, like I've honestly felt like when, the day we drafted him, we didn't deserve that because we were trying to actually draft uh, Connor I think it was Connor Cook and Paxton Lynch and all these other guys. And, and we had already gotten lucky with Tony Romo being undrafted and we wasted that. And we've just been, <laughs> we just couldn't get out of our own way from a management standpoint, like you're saying. And Dak came in here and then we get the contract battle about, is he deserved the money? And yeah, he wasn't producing and all this type of stuff. And I, all I saw was a kid that came in and took over leadership and while every crazy situation story came out in the Cowboys, he always held that locker room down. And not only that, he was getting better every single year as a football player. That's why people are like surprised now. But I saw this coming in, in his upward trajectory as a player every offseason, adding something to his game. because uh, I, I think I think Dak is, is one of those young quarterbacks right now that we're seeing in the NFL. You know, there's another good one playing right now against the Tennessee Titans and Josh Allen, where they're adding to their games every offseason. And Dak just I'm lucky as a Cowboys fan to get to root for him every week.
2: Nice. Hard to root
1: against. I will say that.
2: I'm glad you mentioned Josh Allen because I wanted to talk, too. We have a couple minutes. You see the old boys, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, they have their teams five and one. How they do it, we'll never know. But but, but we have this new up-and-coming crop of really talented quarterbacks. Josh Allen, you mentioned. And I hate to give love to Kyler Murray, but how can you not? give love to Kyler Murray and what he's doing with Arizona. They are undefeated. I know when, when the season started and he ran circles around my Titans, I was like, Oh no, but it turns out he runs circles around everyone. So I don't feel that bad, but
1: yeah. Yeah, And then of course
2: Lamar Jackson
1: is back. (laughs) Look, any, I will not stand for Lamar Jackson hate. I don't understand where it's coming from. He has thrown up some numbers And he again, he's finding ways to win. Lamar Jackson is just a fun quarterback to watch. I don't care what is on the line, like, no matter if the game is on the line, Lamar Jackson under center, man, he's going to find a way to make it happen. And you know, early on in his career, people said, Oh, he he's a running quarterback. That's all he's got. He can't throw the ball. He can't throw the ball. You look at his numbers now. He's passing incredibly efficiently. He's making it happen. He's finding ways to win. And again, I, I don't, I'm going to relive this for the rest of my life, but he put his team in a position to beat the shit out of my and six lions, you know, with, with that crazy J kick, but he did what it took. He is taking ownership of that team again. And, and just really showing up. He's, he's fun to watch and, and I'm loving it. And Rocky, I have to agree with you. I'm going to say this in a monotone voice so that I can control my emotions Kryler Murray is doing well in the NFL. Okay, look, that's all. That's that's the highest praise I will give him, but God bless it. He is he's killing he is it, man. He's the, he's looking right really now good. The new he's looking Mahomes. really good. It's crazy. And yeah. can we talk about Patrick Mahomes? What has happened to Patrick Mahomes? He's kind of dropped off, and we've seen those memes See, of him morphing line, into Spencer Rattler, right? <laughs> like his offensive line happened to him. So it can happen in the NFL too. That's pretty crazy. Damn, it's crazy. I know you got some thoughts on that.
0: I do because this happened in the Super Bowl, yep, where he was running for his life, and all of a sudden everything's not clean anymore, and you can do the no look passes and all the cute stuff, right? And I'm not trying to disrespect Patrick Mahomes; he's always been a bad boy. Us as Big Twelve fans are very familiar. Uh, so is uh, so is our our, our good friend. Quandre Diggs, no disrespect. Yes. Uh, <laughs> real this Texas. You no cut
1: deep, <laughs> deep Stephen. You cut deep.
0: Quandre loves Patrick Mahomes, and Patrick Mahomes loves Quandre. But Patrick Mahomes is a bad boy, and but when football is a team sport, and that Super Bowl when they lost both their their tackles, Eric Fisher had the the injury, and then Mitchell Schwartz is gone, and they didn't resign to either one of them. And they got these new tackles in here and they're not holding up. And that offensive line is not the same unit. And this is the type of thing I, as a Dak Prescott defender, I used to argue about was like when the Cowboys had Lael Collins out for the didn't even show up during the COVID year. And Tyron Smith goes down and we're playing with Brandon Knight and an undrafted Terrence Steele. Yeah, you're going to have more picks. You're going to have more mistakes. I got to get the ball out quick. I got to learn how to navigate playing quarterback with a bad offensive line. Patrick Mahomes is just now having to experience that. So that's a very, very – that's a that's another level of development that, honestly, this is why Lamar Jackson deserves more credit than he's, he's even – he. the Ravens have, I think, 16 players on injured reserve right now. 16 people. That, like, they literally signed a guy off the street. I think it was Latavius Murray. They had to sign from that the Saints let go. He hadn't even been to Baltimore. He just showed up and joined them on the road and was taking handoffs in the red zone during their next game.
2: Wow. And
0: Lamar's just figuring it out on the fly. And they're 5-1. and one. So we've got to, you know, really – it's a thing you have to assess, honestly, on a, on a year-by-year basis – Kyler Murray just won a game without his coach. Cliff didn't even make it.
2: He had COVID. He had the Rona. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, so, the NFL is interesting down right now. Yeah, it's crazy. It's actually really exciting right now, the NFL. It's fun. Tonight, like I said, my, uh, the Bills are playing at my Titans. Bills are favored by five and a half. But one thing that is completely upside down in the world of football that we cannot go without mentioning. Megan?
1: All right, y'all. Can I? Listen. My Texas, y'all know Texas is my number one team, but can we give a little bit of love to my Michigan State Spartans, y'all? They are seven Ooh. and oh, And Ooh. I don't want to hear any hatred. I don't want to hear any slander. I don't care what season you're playing or who you are playing. In this chaotic college football world, to go seven and zero oh is pretty goddamn incredible. Amazing. But Mel Tucker came in and took a team that won two, count them, one, two, two games last year. He came in and cleaned house. He made this his team. He brought in 20 transfers, 20 transfers for his first year. And my Michigan State Spartans are at seven and oh. Now look, they do, they have a bye week with Texas. They've got some space, which is good. Again, I'm going to argue the heavy part of their season is coming up. Let's talk about it. After the bye week, they've got Michigan still yet to play at the big house. They've got Ohio state always a tough game, but let me tell you, they they've they're doing pretty well. They've also got a pretty incredible running back and Kenneth Walker. Now he didn't have a great game against Indiana, but initially Michigan state was not favored to win that game line changed a little bit. It was, it was low and slow. Michigan state goes into Indiana. They win 20 to 15. Kenneth Walker at the season right now is He's three yards underneath a thousand yard season and they're seven games in. So, look, that's awesome. There, he's doing well. He's in the Heisman talks along with Bijan. I'm excited to watch those two guys again. I, I, Bijan, I think has the edge. I think he's a more prolific, a more dynamic player, but you can't sleep on Kenneth Walker. And, and we've really got again, Michigan State has Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State coming up. So, heavy part of their season, but seven and three. Yeah, hey, listen, calm it down, woman. The disrespect. Calm it down. The disrespect. So, See, so what's your coach's
2: name, Mel Tucker?
1: Mel Tucker, yeah. Did he they, came in the from Colorado. Head coach of LSU? Yeah, hey, if you take him from me, I will fight you. I, well, I then, said this to David Allen, too. Don't you take my Mel Tucker away. A, a few people no, know No, we're not this. breaking any news. We're just talking about Rocky now. and I are I thinking the same it.
0: thing, Megan. I, I was literally, I was literally going to ha- gonna... let
1: me have nice things for one fucking season. Damn it. Is that why Listen. you look so surprised? Cause we're saying, thinking the same thing. I was
0: thinking <laughs> right? the same thing because I'm like LSU announced this news now for a reason. They're going to screw up some other, some people. See, look at Jimbo answering questions about it. Do you, do you think that,
1: do you think that that, and, and I question this, I, when LSU came out and said, we have agreed to part ways with coach O, Coach O's a fraud. We, I think we can all get on that train. 1,000% yes, fraud. He fit that team well, but he wasn't the coach. He was a character, not a coach. I, I will say that. My
0: man was a mascot.
1: <laughs> he was, right? Like, you might as well be Mike the Tiger, motherfucker. Like, you were a character. All right, so LSU comes out, and they say, hey, no more, Coach O. We've agreed to part ways. I, that was a weird that was weird timing to me and a weird move in the middle of the season because you've already said, oh, okay, you're, my, his players don't want to play for him. The coaches don't want to coach for him. So why the shit keep him on? But I don't know, Stephen, maybe maybe your take of them just playing the mind games and screwing with A&M with Jimbo Fisher having to answer questions and Mel Tucker having to answer questions. Now, who do you think is the most likely head coach to be hired at LSU? I'm going to say Urban Meyer. Cause he's hating the NFL and LSU has shown they don't give a shit about morals or anything like that. I, I say urban Meyer gets a look. Who do y'all think goes to LSU?
0: So I'll, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go first. Uh, I Urban Meyer is a good one. Although I think USC is still going to make that phone call. Who knows how USC feels? Cause I know they're they're how desperate they get. Cause I feel like USC is at the point where we were last year where it's like, as a program, even though so many of us were not on that moral ship, it's like, we're so tired of losing. We're so tired of not being the true blue blood we should be. Let's make the call to the, to, to Jafar and, and <laughs> try to do this. Yeah. I think LSU, if, if, if I'm LSU, I'm calling Joe Brady. Mm-hmm. Look, I know you're enjoying the NFL. You are the secret sauce. All right. You know, a lot you And and credit to Dave Aranda, we got to deal with Dave Aranda in a few weeks, but Joe Brady was the secret sauce. Let's be real. That's
1: fair. That's fair. I I think that's a good take. Joe Brady bought brought them a lot of wins and made Coach O look good. The question is, does an NFL job open up that offers Joe Brady before LSU does?
0: LSU is going to have to jump jump it that's I, I mean so i have an lsu buddy who's like scott woodward is he's gonna shoot for the moon right and so
2: jimbo Fisher. he's gonna
0: he's gonna put out a call do you think that's why a m tried to get out in front and pay jimbo more
2: no because 100%. because oh, maybe but the contract still is he can walk away whenever he wants so <laughs> should, they just they just want to oh, pay him oh, more A&M. because they want to pay him more i don't know i'll tell you who should go to lsu nick Rolovich you know who that is? He's the Washington, Washington State,
1: State, State coach. Co- Washington State oh, coach. coach? COVID coach. COVID coach LSU. Vaccinated. There we
2: go. He, there's no <laughs> vaccine requirement in Louisiana. Come on down. Come on down.
1: COVID right. coach, we right, got you. right, let's wrap
2: up. Normally, we do a bunch of fun games, but I'm only going to give you one game so we can wrap up. We had the best time talking, but let's. there's not a ton of great games this weekend, but there is one that's quite intriguing. And number eight, Oklahoma State is at... Iowa State. Iowa State is favored by a touchdown. I had to go back and double check this, and yes, Iowa State is favored by seven. So this is the one intriguing matchup that also has some pretty intriguing numbers. Let's start with Megan. Megan, what do you? What would you go there
1: against? You got to start with me, right, Lord? I, I think this game is a toss-up. Look, I, I, I think. OSU, and again, this is my bias probably coming in. OSU has shown themselves to know who they are. They understand their identity. They're a defensive team at this point. I am not convinced that ISU is, I, I don't think they know who they are. So it's at ISU, yeah. Yes. and 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 we're calling seven. I'm going to say ISU squeaks this one out because solely because it's in Ames and their fans show up. I got to give them credit, but I don't think they cover. I think this is a really close game, low scoring game. I think Oklahoma state brings a similar game plan they that they did against Texas against an ISU team that doesn't have the offensive weapons that Texas did. So I, I'm going to say ISU, I don't think they cover, but it would not shock me if Oklahoma state shows up and takes this game. All right, Stephen.
0: I have uh, I have Iowa State winning and I have Oklahoma State covering as well. I I, I think that, you you know, Megan is so spot on in terms of Mike Gundy kind of almost being so smart with how he's dealing with Spencer Sanders of keeping the training wheels on and babysitting him. And that's not, I mean, it's just a reality situation. If you notice in our game, they would, you know, if it was third and more than five in, in – at the goal line, they wouldn't even let him throw the ball. They would just run it and kick the field goal. That tells me everything I need to know about how you feel about your quarterback. So going on the road again to Ames, John Heacock, very good defensive coordinator. Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell was the was supposed to be the poster boy, the golden child. He needs to stack up some wins and get back in this thing. And um, for Texas's sake, we need Oklahoma State to take a L too. So I think Iowa State will, will handle business. Brees Hall seems to be getting going a lot better now. I don't think they'll fall on themselves the way we kind of did at home. But Oklahoma State, out of respect to their defense and how well they're playing defense, because Brock Purdy can turn it over too, I think Iowa State wins, but Oklahoma State covers.
2: All right. I watched Iowa State just run all over and throw all over Kansas State last week. They Once they got in a rhythm, they were gone, and they were at home. And I'm going to say Oklahoma State is not in the top ten next week. And Iowa State wins and covers. So we all have Iowa State winning, at least, at home. I'm the only one that thinks they might pull away. All right. Well, let's wrap up. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, Stephen, for joining us.
0: Thank you guys so much for having me. This was an absolute blast. I can't wait to see you guys down in in Austin area to have some carne gusada and, and, you know, check it out. (laughs)
1: Down, <laughs> and we're going to grill on those gridiron metal grills and it's going to be fantastic and
2: we'll put incredible. it over the crispy tater tots the tater tots <laughs> are not homemade they are from a bag in the freezer but they go in the fryer fire matter. oh that ain't good. no
0: problem that <laughs> ain't no problem that's just air the fries
2: shit we good we good we, we good we, we Gucci all right Well, when you're in town you let us know
0: we'll do thank all you right. for having me
2: Thank you so much. We know you're a busy guy, popular guy. Everybody wants you. We got you for a little bit. Thank you so much. All right. So thanks for listening to another
1: episode of Fire the Cannon. I'm Rocky. I'm Steven. And I'm Megan. And we are Fire the Cannon.